This week on Homegrown Horror, we talk about the Black Bear in Killing Spree of 2006, and B shares her vast knowledge on oysters. All this on more on Homegrown Horror. Oh my god, a customer. This is amazing. Hi, hi sir. Do you have any vacancies? Yes, yes, but I have to give you, I have to give you my spiel, okay? Manager, okay. manager, it comes from yeah, management. Yeah, 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 of course, go, All right. go ahead. Welcome to the Flat Possum Inn, where your expectations are always nearly met. Now, yes, we have many vacancies. All right, um, what, I just need your cheapest room. I just got caught in the rain, and I have nowhere else to go, so... Could I interest you in some of our deluxe packages? I guess so. Okay. Uh, I guess sell away. Yes, yes. We have uh, one room available that's a double king, so you could have two beds that you could sleep on. You could really push them together if you really want to. You could have a bigger bed. Some call the California king, I call the California double king. (laughs) I am all set with that, thank you. What else do you have? Uh, We have the honeymoon suite available. What we like to do here, this is a fun thing we like to do here. So you know those hot tubs that are heart-shaped in those uh, Las Vegas? We have one of those, but this one we fill with piping hot gravy. We think it adds a little fun. It's a nice little fun mix for the couples. Do people actually take that as part of their package? I mean, that's just what we have available. If I could hook up water to that, great. But all I have is just hot piles of gravy yeah, no, cooking I, in the kitchen. I, I actually don't like gravy. Um, do you have just a normal double bed? Ah, okay. You're going to want the flotsam special then. So what we do here is we get some one, one little bed inside of the janitor's closet. We charge you $40 for it. I'm sold. Forty dollars. Here you All go. Right. Okay. Here's the keys. You just might have to move the mop over. Checkout is at eleven, and there's a continental breakfast of hard eggshells in the morning. to Homegrown I am Jackson, your co-host. I am B, your co-host. And together we host this. <laughs> A podcast about Maine and true crime and supernatural and cryptids and horror and things. Everything that you really want out of a podcast, at least that's what I think trends show at this moment Rolled in all time. up into one. <laughs> So, B, have you been? I'm. I've been good. I just got back from New York. <laughs> Tell us all about your New York trip. <laughs> <laughs> I ate so much brunch. <laughs> <laughs> Did you feed uh, subsist subsist entirely off of brunch? Yes, ba- actually, basically, yes. The only time I didn't eat subsist on brunch was when we went to. Uh, Gyukaku for barbecue. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For those unfamiliar, Japanese barbecue. barbecue. So, like, the grill is on the table. It's in the table yeah. and it fire. And you grill your own meat and it was delicious and it was amazing. That's fucking amazing. I didn't know meat could taste like that. Yeah, I bet, like, 
even just having those those grills available, I'm sure they have a lot of flavor on them. They're probably they probably season them even. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, I ate a lot of brunch because we were in Hell's Kitchen, which is a gay ass neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody loves brunch. Uh, we went to three of the main, like one, three of like the most popular places for brunch. We went to Galaxy Diner, which was right across from our Airbnb. Yeah. We went to Mom's. Yeah. Which had the biggest ass milkshake I have ever had, <laughs> and I had uh, fruity pebble pancakes. And that's awesome. <laughs> yes, it was. Oh my god, it was so amazing. We waited. We waited the longest at Mom's. We waited an hour and a half. Oh my god. But it was totally fucking worth it. Also, New York, their outside seating game is on point because their little outside spaces are all fucking heated and they're all decorated and yeah. they're amazing. Um, but yeah, we went to go see Aurora. At Terminal 5, which was actually one of my favorite venues I think I've ever been to. With probably one of your favorite artists. Yes, correct. <laughs> and uh, we also saw Phantom of the Opera, which I hate Andrew Lloyd Webber. Love, hate Andrew Lloyd Webber. And, <laughs> but Phantom of the Opera has a very special place in my heart and Allegra finally agreed to go see it. Other than that, we did a lot of shopping, a lot of eating, and a lot of um, watching Hell's Kitchen in Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a little taste of home, you know, you love your reality TV, I know that. Yes, I do. And you talk about brunch makes me realize how much I miss brunch, and that I haven't been to brunch in fucking forever. (laughs) Is there good brunch places around here? There's got to be at least a couple places. There used, like, one of our favorites closed before the pandemic, which is Uncle Andy's. We love Becky's Diner. Mm. Always good. I, I Becky's Diner is one of those places where, like, if I go for dinner, I'm still getting breakfast. All right, I feel yeah, yeah, I feel you. Like, kind of those dirty, kind of old school twenty four seven diners. Is that I the don't. Feel? It's not twenty. It's that kind of feel, and it's right on the water. Okay, gotcha. It's right on commercial. It's amazing. I love old diners. Yeah, <laughs> diners are good. Yeah, I. There's also Q Street Diner, which is like right down there. We've never been though. Oh man, okay. But yes, hello. Now we are a brunch podcast, just like my We're Instagram. My Instagram is now just a brunch Instagram. I think that <laughs> you probably just set yourself up for success. I mean, everybody loves brunch, right? I fucking love brunch. Who doesn't like brunch? If you don't like brunch, add us on our Twitter, <laughs> and we will convince you to love brunch welcome to the homegrown home fries podcast yes <laughs> uh yeah no i'm super down we should definitely get some brunch at a good place you know a quality brunch has a bombless mimosa yes situation it sure does oh my you god pay too much money for it but at, it's bombless at mom's they had a 32 ounce mimosa oh virtually bottomless <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking great they also had um Big ass drafts is what mm. it said on the menu. Mm. So they had draft mm. beer. Uh, oh my god! It was just it was very aesthetic. That's awesome. It was just gay nineties throw up, and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so yeah, that yeah, was that's, that's awesome, me. Dude. I had a very great trip, ni- very great nice trip, <laughs> very good nice trip with my wife. So it was basically like we called it our mini moon because <laughs> we plan on taking a larger trip later down yep. the line, but. It was really nice to... A nice little experience, and in the middle of all the madness, it's nice to have a break, you know? Yeah. Uh, I feel you. 
I went to L.L. Bean this yes! past weekend. I or love the, the beans. I love the picture of you with the boot. It yes. makes me very happy. <laughs> I got to see the boot. There's also a weird picture Emily took of me in the fishbowl. Like, I Why wasn't know. that posted on the Instagram? I think we'll just post it normally. Maybe it's not even a story. But, just put, you know. yeah, please just, yeah. yes, I I'd need it. I'd love to do that. Um, For posterity? <laughs> I, I did the see it. I did the stereotypical thing though. I bought a plaid shirt. Yeah. Of course. You it's know. a very nice plaid shirt though. It's a very nice plaid shirt, and I look forward to expanding my wardrobe with more plaid shirts and slowly morphing into a lumberjack? grizzled lumberjack, yeah, <laughs> or some like hippie dippy manor. I think it's really funny though because everything's so damn expensive in that store. Yeah. Like you walk in, and the first thing I got to look at was the boots. And $200 plus for boots is, you know, that's a hard pill to swallow, but the quality is very much there. Yes. And the other thing is, up until recently, you could return anything at any time. Mm -hmm. There are some caveats now, and I stand by the caveats. As a costume designer who buys a lot of L.L. Bean from Goodwill, Yeah, people used to go to Goodwill and pick up old L.L. Bean stuff and go return it for full price. I mean... Which is why yeah. a lot of thrift stores will cut out L.L. Bean tags or mark them with a Sharpie. Because somebody reason. else will like pick it up and bring it in. Absolutely. When we were checking everything out, their whole caveat was that you can bring it back within a year. You just had to have the receipt with you. Mm-hmm. So just No, it used to receipts. be like you could have bought a pair of boots 20 years ago and you could return them and get a new pair 20 years later. That's so freaking awesome. Um, but I also found out they were doing like a big winter thing. So that while we were there, they are getting an ice rink set up. Yes. They're going to do a Christmas tree lighting. There's going to be a Christmas tree tunnel. There's an... <gasps> Christmas tree tunnel? Yeah, yeah. So lit up and everything. There was a guy that was really selling this up front at the store and he was talking to me and it was like, sign me up, man. I I'm love a fucking tunnels. game. Let's do it. <laughs> you know, I know right? I wanted to go because I know that they're not doing like a tree lighting the same way that they have in years past before the pandemic. Right. But um, I'm still game for all of the really fun things no i really want to get i need fun things during the winter (laughs) well like a fun thing for yeah i've been to the tree lighting ceremony over at the um you know the place i uh proposed to my wife oh in york yeah noble (laughs) noble lighthouse was that noble yes yes okay (laughs) that's good that i remember that So yeah, I went to the tree lighting ceremony in Noble Lighthouse, and if anybody was there, you know, 2017, they would have been uh, graced with the vision of a very pale man in uh, very black clothing proposing to a small, adorable wife. (laughs) Yes. There's like, I got a picture, some person like snapped a picture of us, and I do truly just look like a vampire. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Edward. <laughs> My skin sparkled like diamonds. <laughs> it's actually funny because both of us, we we both proposed to our wives near the ocean. Oh, yeah? Yes. Something about the ocean. Yeah, I proposed at Kettle Cove. <laughs> that's <laughs> on, awesome. On the cliffs of Kettle Cove. Oh, that's a cool sight. That's a cool sight. Yeah. I kind of wish I was in a more private place to do it. 
but I just was kind of like, I'm going to do this today. Yeah, nobody w- nobody was around when I did it mm. because it was in October. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to be around here. No. No, but hey, hot chocolate, uh, Noble Lighthouse, candy canes, Santa. What? And she said yes. Place. And she said yes, amazingly. It would have been worse if she said no. <laughs> I was still probably going to see Santa if um, she said but no. no. <laughs> you know, kind of make up for the trip. <laughs> so... You want to dive in? Let us dive in. Let's get into this. very excited because we're doing a murder today. We're doing a murder today. Let's stop having fun and let's talk about something fun like murders. Yes. Uh, But uh, so we're going to be talking about, let me just set up a location. I'm going to be a little bit of a storyteller today, but our... Okay, uh, as long as you don't use a voice modulator like that one time. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw the I saw the metrics. I won't do that again. <laughs> People dropped off as soon so as that, that happened. <laughs> I was like, oh, I learned my lesson. <laughs> uh, so we're going to be coming over here to Newry, Maine. You know Newry, Maine? No, I do not. I might be mispronouncing it. Maybe I don't have that accent down, but uh, this is just a little small town in Oxford County, uh, and it's known for the Sunday River Ski Resort. Oh, I know Sunday River. You've been yeah. there? I've not been there. Okay. But I that uh, something because I think I said before I don't really ski. <laughs> but you would see kids in school. They would come back after the weekend, and they'd have the oh the yeah tag, the passes the pa- the <laughs> on their uh, winter jackets. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. The two that are the two that are popular here are Sugarloaf and Sunday River. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah. It didn't look like a huge mountain, just kind of a couple hills, you know. Yeah. I think altogether it looked like it was maybe eight hills, uh, maybe eight slopes on there with you know probably different trails, but looks cool. I'd be happy to check it out. But it's like in the prime um, kind of ski zone because yeah. you know it's got it's right by the New Hampshire border, north of Bethel. Um, it's actually pretty close to White Mountain, which is very popular ski location. So mm-hmm. if you can't afford White Mountain, Sunday River's got you covered. Sunday got River, sponsor covered. us. <laughs> uh, so actually a fun little story about Newry though, and a little bit of history I dug up here. Mm-hmm. So there is actually a major uh, plane crash that occurred in Newry. Back in 1960s, during the Cold War. Really? Yeah. June 27th, 1960, a U.S. Air Force tanker-fueling plane went down on Newry. And uh, what ended up happening was that there was a malfunction as this tanker was trying to refuel a bomber. And um, uh, they said something, you know, technical, which I ignored. But basically what happened was that the interior of the plane... Something malfunctioned and it exploded inside. And oh shit! The okay, plane, bad the day. tanker, yeah, tipped and just spiraled into the ground, and it caused and it smashed into a granite rock face and caused an explosion so huge it could be seen from Lewiston. Seriously? Yeah. And Lewiston's a bit of a ways from the New, uh, from the New Hampshire border. 50, uh, 50 miles away from Newry, the site of the crash here. Wow. So it was pretty intense. Yeah. That was like the biggest bit of history up until this. Yep. <laughs> yes. And I believe that if I remember correctly, I believe I know about this story. I know you know about this story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just to kind of, you know, 
B B is on to this, you know, she's a big murder head and she she knows all the kinds murder of things. Head. This is a pretty famous murder <laughs> in Maine, so the correct term is generally murderino. Murderino. Oh yeah, which there's the Maine murderinos. Yeah. Yes, which I believe I think my favorite murder was the first to coin that term, but I believe it is also used outside of it now, but it sounds better than murder. <laughs> <laughs> murder uh aficionado sure murder connoisseur i'm a connoisseur of murder <laughs> i appreciate murders <laughs> but uh this famous murder it's pretty gruesome i feel a little bit better talking about it because there isn't actually a child involved but it's still pretty horrific yeah. um this occurred this murder this murder spree occurred over the course of labor day weekend in 2006 and it is going to be one of the most shocking murders in recent history for this area. Um, like, this was a, was pretty um, disturbing for a lot of folks. Not only because of the act, but because of, I guess, motivation behind it. Or, you know, almost lack thereof. Okay. But I just kind of want to start with, I think, painting this scene with... The introduction of the police kind of fast forwarding after the deaths is sure. more compelling. Absolutely. So on September 4th, 2006, Monday, Labor Day, at around 5.30 p.m., a state trooper was informed by dispatch that there was an unattended death at the Black Bear Bed and Breakfast in Newry. When trooper Dan Hansen arrived on the scene, he spoke with uh, Lee Graham, who said her husband, Charles Nielsen, had discovered three bodies at the bed and breakfast. And that Christian Nielsen, who is the son of Charles, had killed some people. Can I just point out mm -hmm. the dispatcher saying there has been an unattended death? Yeah, mild, uh, you know, understatement of the year, probably. <laughs> no, abs that's absolutely what it sounds like. I know, yeah. They doesn't really uh, <laughs> paint the kind of catastrophe that took place here. But at the same time, the person that called it in was actually Lee Graham. Okay. Um, uh, supposedly, Charles didn't call this in, which is kind of weird. But Lee Graham did call it in because she was like, okay, I'm not going to be dealing with this. Um, but the uh, officer that went on, yeah, Dan Hansen, he pulled the Nielsen, so Christian and Charles aside, sat them down, and uh, asked Christian, uh, asked the Nielsens what was going on exactly. And he just is very matter of fact well i killed some people dan i shot them all the guns in the house and the tool sheds just right off the bat just admitting completely to the murder just owning up to it right there and uh when he asked like when did, was this happening he said a while this was happening over the course of a couple days it wasn't just an event that happened in a single night this was a string of murders mm -hmm. that happened over the whole weekend Hanson read Christian his Miranda, Miranda rights <laughs> and asked if uh, Christian would be willing to talk about what happened. And he responded that he did, but he only wanted to say it once. Very strange thing to say. He doesn't want to go over the information more than once, but the trooper is kind of recognizing what a strange request is. So he kind of holds back on like going into all the details here and is actually going to wait for detectives to come onto the scene. Probably a smart idea. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he didn't follow up with any questions, and 
he handcuffed Christian and placed him in the police cruiser. What's also kind of interesting, and this actually comes up in court documents, but as uh, Christian's being placed in the car, Charles asks him, shouldn't you wait for counsel? And Christian says, yeah, not a bad idea. Not an affirmation of uh, counsel at all, <laughs> which all right. will come up later. We've uh, we've had this happen before when yeah. we've talked about a murder occurring and the individual says that they would like a lawyer, but don't actually give an affirmative response Plans. that they mm-hmm. actually would like a lawyer, thus leading to them not having a lawyer, which they should like be more aware of as they're, you know, confessing a crime. <laughs> but anyway, always have a lawyer, guys. Unless you're a murderer, then uh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, even murderers are, they have a right to a lawyer. Yes. That's the point. Yes. Uh, pesky laws. Pesky judicial system. Mm-hmm. That doesn't actually work or whatever. So Hansen was waiting for additional officers and at the meantime, he followed a trail of blood that led out of the inn and went through grass and into some brush nearby where he found the remains of two dismembered bodies, as well as the the remains of two dogs. Yeah, there were some... Oh, no! Some innocent pupperinos got mixed up in this situation. There should have been a trigger warning for that. Oh, Oh, my God. fuck? Uh, (laughs) Guys, some dogs died. I'm sorry. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Okay. I know, I know. Well, (laughs) you're more upset by the dead dogs than the two dismembered corpses. No, I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think like it takes a terrible person to kill people but I think it takes an equally terrible person to also kill two innocent pups they don't know that what's going also on. sounds awful like I I can't I don't know it's it, it doesn't sound right no matter how I say it but I feel like people will agree with me I think that we all have greater empathy for animals sometimes than people because I think at our heart of hearts, we're generally scared of everybody else in some capacity. Um, and we kind of all sort of look out for ourselves in society. So, like, dogs just love you, you know? Yeah. Because I know that's how people they're react. Like, they're like Jesus. Their love is unconditional. <laughs> yes. Because I know that's how people reacted to Midnight Mass was that a lot of people were shocked at the amount of violence towards animals Mm. but we're totally fine a lot of like a lot of these same people were totally fine with violence towards humans there's actually um amy sedaris even like well david sedaris in one of his books even says like his sister amy like cannot watch anything that has an animal get killed on screen. Allegra can't watch Old Yeller insanely... to this day. <laughs> Old Yeller is so depressing though. That movie is just designed to make you sad and fuck that guy. You yes. Know? Whoever wrote that, fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> or her. Or, you know. Like. I think it was probably a guy. Yeah, probably. <laughs> oh, I'm going to write about a hunting dog and the kid has to shoot it. Mm-hmm. You fucked up, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The, a third victim was found about 50 yards away from where the first two bodies um, and was under a tarp, also dismembered. A game warden uh, then arrived on the scene and um, Christian did actually help give some directions. Hansen approached Christian and said, I know you invoked your rights to counsel, not really, 
But I need to know where the victim is because he did indicate that there was another victim. Yeah. Aside from the three. Um, and so, yeah, Christian then gave very detailed directions of where exactly to go to go find the fourth victim. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Char- they talked to Charles and said, okay, there's a fourth victim. We're going to go, you know, go find it and or find him. Charles let Christian know and Christian responded with like, oh, yeah, mom lives up there. Like, she probably wants to know. They're like, no, 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 no. We're going to go find a body. And it's like very strange kind of like leading thought i think from christian just like oh yeah you know we're gonna go find mom nope we're gonna go find the other person you murdered dude mm. hmm. but when he fat when they told him we're gonna go find the body he said oh you're not gonna find it because i burned it just a lot of just like throwing information here and there burning bodies is interesting to me because i i, I watch a lot of ask a mortician and i know from that that it is very it has to be very hot to burn a body yeah i'd imagine but so like, i wonder oh jeez. okay i didn't like look into the full details of no, how burnt this corpse no, was but no, i got you i understand no no me yeah. up but uh the game warden later that evening went with a couple other officers to the location um christian described and yeah found a fire pit with Human remains in it that confirmed, yes, these were human, and yeah. that was the fourth victim. Detectives arrived around 7.30 um, at the bed and breakfast and gave Christian his Miranda rights again and asked if he would be willing to speak. He said yes, and then they went ahead and moved over to a nearby fire station just to have a better location. Christian mentioned that he was hungry, and Officer Dan uh, made him a sandwich and uh, Christian had a sandwich. I just found that as a very strange detail that they included in these court documents. And I wanted to share that too because, yeah, no, I thought it was very strange that the thought process a man has to do of like, I'm making a murderer a sandwich right now so he's will- more willing to talk to us. It's probably a very upsetting moment. Yeah, I'd, I'd find that upsetting too if I was in that situation. So... As they sat down, the detectives read his rights again, asked if he understood. He said yes. And then he... So he's been Mirandized three times. Three times, yeah. Yeah. Okay. At every point. Could ask for counsel, ask for a lawyer, you know. Okay. But yeah, just constant reading of the Miranda rights. Uh, But on this third time, he said yes. And then he immediately confessed to all four murders. Cut and dry. Later on, when they're going through trial, his defense does try to throw out this information, saying, like, he had invoked his right to counsel. But as we kind of go through the testimony and the witnesses, they say, okay, well, you said you invoked your right, but you actually did not give an affirmative response that you wanted a lawyer. All you said at any point to slightly indicate that was, yeah, that's a good idea. But also, at least based on this this um, recollection, mm-hmm. at least for the last time, they're like, you have a right to a lawyer. Would you like a lawyer? But he just confessed. Yeah, just straight up. <laughs> there was no, like, a lot of times when people invoke their right, they're like, I'm not talking until, but he, so it's difficult to just say, oh no, this was done incorrectly. It's like, no, he did it incorrectly, (laughs) if that was his intention. 
there's definitely something wrong with this guy, I will say, and I think his defense was doing a lot of legwork to kind of get anything. Yeah. A defense lawyer is going to, like, chop on to anything that they can get, you know? No yeah, because that's how. their job. Yeah, that's their job, and they're meant to do it, so they can't just go ahead and phone it in because that's just not setting them up for success in the future. I was going to say, to be fair, <laughs> you said... They can't phone it in. That doesn't mean that they won't. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I have seen some phoned in attorney work. <laughs> Let's not talk about recent history here. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I do want to talk a little bit. I've only been speaking kind of just about the uh, discovery here, um, but I think it'd be good to talk about the victims. Absolutely. Yeah. So four altogether, as we've said, two of them are related. Julie Bullard, 65 years old, um, and is the owner of the Bed and Breakfast. And her daughter, got mixed up in this, Selby Bullard. They both came to Maine and moved from California after Selby's husband uh, died in a traffic accident. They came to Maine to kind of get away from the grief. During this period of time... Yeah, I know. That's pretty rough. That sucks. Yeah, I know. Just like, the poor person can't get a break in this situation. Mm -mm. Also mixed up in all this was a, a friend of Selby, Cynthia Beatson. Sorry, that was just me. I remember this. I remember. You got this? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Unfortunately, and, uh, yes. Yeah. And then James Whitehurst, 50 years old, who worked uh, kind of as a... B&B &B handyman. Not his full-time job, but it's just something he was kind of doing on the yeah. side. So why was Christian even here to begin with? Well, he was actually staying at the bed and breakfast for a couple months before this all happened. And he's kind of a guy that's been bouncing around quite a lot through various cooking jobs in Maine. Previously, he was in Farmington, Maine. Um, in one of his last gigs, most people that you know, worked with Christian, described him as kind of closed off, reserved, sometimes kind of, you know, talkative, but uh, his mood shifts a lot. Okay. And, uh, but they all said that he was competent and a hard worker. A lot of his coworkers just kind of described him as that. Um, like a little weird, but little does, weird. does his job yeah. and that's what most employers want from you. Exactly. They don't really give a shit about your mental health. They're just like, are you presenting yourself uh, accordingly? Are you fine in this moment? And are you doing your job? Yep. All good. Okay. But in uh, Farmington, Maine, before he came out here, you know, he actually even told his coworkers supposedly that uh, he was going to turn his life around, maybe go back to school because he actually went to school and didn't complete a degree. How old is he? Right now, he's uh, 31 when he committed the murders. Okay. Yeah. So, he's just kind of like floating around, I guess. Yeah. Um, and he didn't complete a degree, and he had actually no history of any violence. He only had like one... The most major charge he had was something... Was um, a DUI. And uh, other minor traffic infractions on his record. He actually got his license removed uh, while he was staying here. Um but nothing else that would indicate that he would go on to uh, conduct a murder spree. Fairly unassuming guy, you know? Mm -hmm. On September 1st, 2006, Friday, 
James Whitehurst was walking in the woods nearby the B&B when Christian Nielsen shot him. And he brought his body into the wooded area in Upton, about 15 miles away, where he dismembered the corpse and burned it in the fire pit. 15 miles away. So he walked it 15 miles because you said he didn't have a license. I think he took a car or something, but he had might have had to leg it. Um, I've, I just realized I said that as if a murderer was going to follow traffic laws. Continue. Right? Yeah, yeah, no, I was like... You know what? I didn't find the details of how he got to that spot specifically, but yeah, he could have taken a car or something. Yeah, it doesn't matter. He's not going to be like, oh, no, but I got my license for... He does not care. Oh, shoot. Wow, yep. I... Again, I think I've said this before, trying to find logic in an illogical situation. <laughs> it's all good, mate. But on Sunday, he... So we had a whole day pass between this, and on Sunday he killed Julie Bullard and cut up her body with an axe and knife and let, left her under a tarp. Okay. Selby was trying to get in contact with Julie, wasn't able to get through, and on Monday with Cynthia came over. And they were both shot and killed and then dismembered and put into the brush. I've heard, I think I've heard some, some more detailed versions of this part of the story Mm -hmm. and it always upsets me because. What have you heard? Like just the sort of them giving pushback and being like, okay, where, like, where is she? And they tried to do the right thing. They were trying to be super smart about it. I mean, Selby went and she she decided not to go alone. Yeah, which was the smartest thing she could have done. But I mean, like, but, you know, unfortunately brought Cynthia into this. Yeah. Yeah, the, their arrival was unexpected for Christian, which, yes. you know, guy's not right. I feel like, you know, yeah, you, you kind of know your mother isn't calling you and you live nearby. So what was kind of disturbing is that a Christian showed up for his shift on Sunday while this was happening. Fuck, okay. Yeah, so that's really fucked up. He worked through it, no problem. He didn't show any indication of what had occurred. I don't know. I just kind of like... just kind of want to sit with that. Absolutely. This guy is clearing it out right in the head. No. Um, and a lot of the description of the trial, everything leading up to it, if you look at some of the photos um, and you see him being led out of the, the court, into the court, there's something off about him. There really is. Like, he almost seems like he's smiling or smirking. Some of the photos and, like, people that were in the room said, yeah, he just kind of seemed like he was smirking. His defense even said, like, my client is not, like, taking joy in this. You know, he's really torn up about it. And he told us in private that he's upset and regrets doing this. And he's very sorry. It's another one of these situations where someone is clearly unwell. But it's also sometimes hard to tell. Yeah. It's hard to tell because, like, you had mentioned there really was no indication up until this point. No. At least that we are aware of. Of what we were aware of, you know, and like, they, you know, went through a whole, the rigmarole of trying to determine if he's competent enough to stand trial because of like, how off he seems, you yeah. know? People are, can see like, there's something not quite right, nothing, not everything is all there for him. So, 
they even his you know defense wants to try to see if he is incompetent and can't stand trial under the statute he is competent enough to stand trial and you know they try to go with an insanity plea but and christian does go along with it initially but then they throw it out the day before trial christian says no i'm not going to plead insanity and he interesting he admits guilt to everything the day of trial it's very open and shut yes at this point and with all the evidence i mean they try to throw the evidence out also because of like the whole issue with oh he asked for counsel or no he didn't he didn't give that affirmation right even in like the determination of competency uh the doctor that they had assigned to the trial spent a lengthy amount of time with them and he said i feel like i do not understand what has happened to him He's not able to really understand, like, his motivation, why he did this. The only thing he said was that he wanted to know what it was like to kill somebody. That was the only reason. One article said that maybe there was a rent dispute between him and Julie. But that doesn't, like... It's not just... Not him and Julie. He also killed James. He killed two James days before. F- yeah, he killed him first. Mm-hmm. That's also the other thing that's interesting is the length of time between James and Julie's death. Yeah. Because I, I'm not gonna say I understand, but the surprise, like after killing James and Julie, the surprise of Cynthia and Selby coming and possibly getting caught. Mm hmm. Because he, they were trying to find Julie. Yeah. And were not taking no for an answer. At least in that, I can sort of wrap my mind around that. That he feels cornered in a way. Yes. Yeah. I can understand that as but well. But it's also interesting considering that he gets caught anyway and doesn't do much by way of... Every moment we speak to him, he just cops up to it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That, yeah. yeah, he doesn't fight it at Which all. Which is what's strange that he didn't just... But in that moment, he obviously f- felt... I don't, I'm don't. i not sure if it's a continued want to kill. Like, in the sense where like he killed James and enjoyed it enough to also kill Julie. Like, what what led him to continue if it's as simple as i wanted to know what it's like to kill someone someone not some not four people and that's the problem in different ways yeah we have no real idea of like is there joy this doctor isn't able to like understand that nobody's able to actually get any real motivation out of it he isn't able to say outright why he chose his victims other than he wanted to kill somebody maybe it was some kind of weird satisfaction just kind of like wanted to understand that feeling he's clearly not well he was sentenced on uh well he was given his sentence he pled guilty october 9th 2007 so almost a year it just seems so weird how passive he is yeah he is incredibly passive it's bizarre I can't, I... On his first day in court, um, kind of went through a lot, a lot of line of question, and he only said one thing, I am. 
when the judge asked him if he was present. That was it. That was the only thing he said. Just kind of stood there, silent, didn't say, didn't say anything else. He was uh, given four life sentences. He's, yeah. 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 Every every life he took. I believe that's a main thing. I think so. Is that mainism? Uh, hey, hey! <laughs> Mainisms are supposed to be lighthearted, palate cleansing. Not, but I, yeah, because we don't have the death penalty, I believe. I don't know. I, I will look into that a little more. Yeah, no worries. But, yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense to me. During his initial time in jail, when he was finally put in, he actually was starving himself. And they ordered that they had to be force-fed. Did he ever say why? No. Seemed like it was a hunger strike type situation, but he was becoming malnourished and, uh, yeah, the state had to go ahead and See, start that feeding like, him. But that's what's so weird is, like, if it's a hunger strike, but why? We, Unless we have no idea. Unless it's a self-imposed punishment? Well, um... He was also put under suicide watch. So, yeah, that... Well, here's the reason why. He uh, was found one day bleeding from his head because he put a large X on the top of his skull. I don't know, something sharp. But he, then he was put on to the suicide watch. There... There's... He... There's wow. clearly... Yeah, and that's the fun... That's... It's not funny. <laughs> That's the weird thing about this whole situation of talking to Christian. He has no motivation, but he's copping to the murders immediately. There's clearly something wrong with them. And we're not able to actually understand what's wrong with them, why he's done what he's done, how he feels about it. I feel like that's, that is the, one of the hardest things about mental health is you're kind of if you're not getting feedback, you're grasping at straws. Exactly. Like, we're not able to determine anything. Like, in, in the leading up to the trial, you know, you're just determining competency. Yeah. And he's determined competent, but he's barely saying anything, you know? And he's not taking the advice of his lawyers. I feel like somebody who is, like, scared of what's facing him... Everyone's kind of scared of prison or scared of, like, losing their life in years. Yeah. He just, like, lets it happen. You know? They decide to go with an insanity plea, and then last minute he decides to not go with it. He just confesses right there. I feel like also his pattern of behavior is so... Like I, I mentioned before, just the not wanting to get caught and killing Cynthia and Selby, but then copping up to it, but then also having to be put on suicide watch but also not really fighting back it's so it, it doesn't and i wonder if he even really understands i don't know if he understands i mean his own behavior he's clearly insane but that's the interesting thing is like he was able to say that he doesn't want to go with an insanity play right is that itself insane in a way it's like a catch-22 right there. It's like, you need to basically say that you're insane to do an insanity plea, but if you're truly insane to the point of, like, saying, nah, I'm just going to cop up to it, and then with all this other behavior, he is insane. You know? He's not well. He's clearly not well. 
And he's not listening to his defense. It doesn't seem like he wants to listen. Like, it's... I'm also surprised that no one has... Or if anyone has taken this case and looked at it and tried to sort of look at it from, like, an actionable perspective where, like, observing his behaviors and seeing if they line up with anything, like, in the DSM-5 or something. What what we know of. What's the DSM? DSM. DSM, why is that? The Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Health Disorders, 5th edition, is the most recent. Okay, so it's a catalog of disorders. Yeah. I think, and it's, it's like the recognized mental health disorders. Well, that's the thing about the science of mental health. It's so new. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't seriously looked into until the 50s. Even, and even just in a short amount of time, like, not to get into my own mental health stuff, but like, my diagnoses personally have changed just based on new research. Mm. And that's sort of what happens. Yeah, I mean, uh, for all, for, you know, some people don't like really prescribe to current mental health practices and what that looks like over over prescriptions, um, misdiagnosis. This is so new that we're, uh, unfortunately, we're still just all figuring this out together. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, we have so many issues today with mental health because we're still like grasping at straws in a way. Yeah. And unlike physical health, there aren't, it's not physical. There's no tangible evidence besides, I mean, you can do brain scans and things like that, but you can't, you, so many things look the same in the brain. Cause I know that there are a lot of people are like, Oh, well, depression and anxiety look similar and or behaviors follow the same sort of pathway neurological pathways things like that it's it's not as clear-cut as like okay the cancer is here (laughs) the bruising is here they're bleeding from here the heart isn't beating and it's really hard to be able to get at (laughs) <laughs> to the heart of the issue when it comes to talking with an individual that is so just mentally off you know mm-hmm. it's almost like being a veterinarian you can't talk to your patient no, you can. in a way it's yeah. like you, you can talk to your patient in this instance but maybe you're not really able to get the right information that you're not you getting need. there you're not getting there no you're not able to actually determine just from talking with the individual like what exactly is wrong it's yeah. behaviors, it's understanding them a little more. It's hard, you know. Well, this was fun. <laughs> it's also, there's no, there's also no closure I, no. for the families either. That's the I thing. I mean, you know that he's yeah. in prison, but also you don't know why. There is no why. There is no why, and that's the hardest thing. That is the most disturbing part about this we've talked about mental illness before and obviously talking about different murderers that have some underlying issue but you can point to it and say yes this makes sense like for example with the doug flint 
the guy involved with that, you can sit there and say, yes, he has a history of, you know, he has a history of childhood abuse, history of mental health issues in his family, or um, the one in Amityville. Mm -hmm. There was a clear progression of like, okay, here are some circumstances that led to it. This, there's nothing. Generally a very, uh, you know, and yeah, even looking at some of this. Or just, is it Amityville or Amity? It was Amity. Amity? Yeah. Okay. Scratch Amityville. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I, I totally get what you're talking about, man. Like, it's... We had some kind of idea from past experiences that, yeah, but this guy was just like... The the most indication we got was from a, a guy in Farmington, apparently Christian, was an avid book reader, you know? Okay. Um, he read a lot of comedy books, actually. Um <laughs> and yeah okay. you know i don't know why but he read a lot of comedy books just something to lighten things up but he uh the bookseller that he would frequent said like yeah you know his just mood was unpredictable you know sometimes he was very friendly other times he was closed off completely and i'm not saying like that's an indication of anything it's, wrong because it's hard I, because that's yeah. not really not no it's like yeah, everybody if, has bad if, days. You if know? you're violent, if you're angry, like, then yes, you probably have an anger problem. If, you know what I mean? But if you're just open some days and closed others, that, that that's not no really an indication to me. Yeah, no. we, we all have off days. Some days we just don't feel like talking as much, you know. Uh, or don't want to deal with other people. You know, other days we can be... Has exuberant. his family said anything? Uh, I wasn't really able to get much from the family. Mm-hmm. The only thing that his dad, Charles, during the trial, you know, said that my son feels bad about the situation. And he ended up even pleading to the judge to, like, please be lenient. I don't know what's happening. And then turning to Christian before he was sentenced and said, I love you. The dad that I guess cares, but I don't know. I don't. Charles was the one to bring up, like, shouldn't you talk to a lawyer? Mm-hmm. In the face of seeing my son has murdered four people, I, I don't have kids. I don't know what this is like, but I feel like if my child murdered, not just four people even one person i'm not going to feel for them unfortunately it's like you robbed somebody of their life like how can i abide a lot by of people that? don't agree with you I, I can't abide by that and by a lot of people i mean we see it in a lot of cases where you know the family stands by them or i don't know it's i can understand like as a murder in self-defense. Mm-hmm. I can I can understand no, that. This I is... cannot understand this. And two, yeah, because it's four people and two dogs. I just you no, really come back no, to those dogs. I want to come back to that because <laughs> it is going the extra step. Yeah. It is going the ex the extra step. Is it the extra killing, step though? Killing everyone, everything alive. For this guy, is it the extra step? You already killed two humans. 
Does it take much more do for we you kn- to shoot the dogs? For some... Do we know if he did the dogs after? Because was that where he began? Before no. Julie? I think it started with the people. You think um, so? Yeah. This is a weird one. Yeah. They're all weird. They are, but this one is particular. There's, there's, there's zero closure. <laughs> there's none whatsoever. I mean, he's in jail. Yeah, he's in jail. And he's, he's in jail, and that's what... He's never coming out. No. My only thing is like, you know, absolutely should be in jail. He should be away from the public. And I hope he gets the help that he needs. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my question. Like, and that's why I'd asked if if you know if any anybody has discussed it from a mental health perspective because it seems like a lot. That it's it's just so weird. In the sense that, you know, they were like, "Yes, he's competent." He said no to the insanity plea. I feels incomplete. It does. What I wanted to check was. If he's been moved from the state prison yet, mm-hmm. and he's not. And by the way, I did not indicate this, unfortunately, but uh, it is important. There were other psychologists that were part of the trial, mm-hmm. and they did indicate there was some issues. Um, he was suffering from schizoid personality disorder. Okay. And you know Asperger's, but. You know, that wouldn't lead you to no. murder. No, yes. But I'm putting it out there. Being on the spectrum in any way, shape, or form does not mean you're going to commit a murder. This gets like personality disorder. It aligns with kind of his behavior. Yes. Yeah, but there's definitely, there's a lot, there are multiple layers. Okay, that that's a little bit more context. Yeah, but even despite this, not an indication that he was incompetent. He was right. competent enough to stand trial. And he's not being described as legally insane through this. It's a rough one. It is rough. (sighs) Any closing thoughts on this one? I mean, no, I mean, uh, for for normal people, go get a lawyer. Like, go get a lawyer. If you're a murderer, fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) But this one's hard just because... I don't I don't have any good conclusive thoughts to this. It's just yeah. An individual who seemed perfectly normal to most everybody else in his life. Normal with an asterisk. Yeah, normal with an asterisk. Then going off and murdering four people over literally nothing. Just for a feeling, maybe, but And I mean, it's not the first time someone has said that. There was a podcast recently I want to say it was I said goddamn did one about this woman who her and her partner murdered at least one person because it was on her bucket list to murder someone before 30. Oh my god. Yeah, I think she murdered her son's friend. That's terrible. Yeah. Ugh. So it's not the first time somebody has said no murdered for that reason yeah but it's just he seems so not even sure about it he's passive he's He's so passive he's so ambivalent to the whole situation it seems like he's not 
for those individuals who are like, yeah, I want to murder somebody, they're adamant about murdering somebody. Mm-hmm. You and know, adamant about really, not getting caught. Yeah. It's so... They're really feeling that murder. But this guy, he's just... He just cops up to it immediately and just confesses everything when he's questioned. Like, we're not able to get any real idea of why or if he enjoyed it. Uh... Again, yeah, I don't have any closing thoughts with this one, unfortunately. But I mean, yeah, I think the last thing I heard about the Black Bear Inn was that um, there were, you know, it's really, this is actually really sad, Mm -hmm. but Julie was in the midst of selling the Black Bear Inn while this was happening. She put it up for sale in February. It was just waiting for somebody to take it off. She was just like, some of these people wanted a place to stay for an extended period of time. So she wasn't running a normal B&B. It's just a normal place where she was renting out space. She wanted out. I I didn't know that that it was just sort of her just kind of like renting it out normally. Yeah, that was it. There wasn't really any like special privileges of staying here or whatever is just like an apartment basically for the moment <sighs> wow i have a surprise for you <laughs> i'm doing the main is <laughs> what hey hey it's a main is um She's doing the mainism, everybody. She's doing the mainism. This is refreshing. I I like the idea of me being educated from a mainer about what's going on and then me rather than me just saying hey is this a thing (laughs) (laughs) and the reason I wanted to do this was because um so my wife Allegra I always say my wife Allegra you know you guys know my wife my wife um she just started a new job and they were doing this sort of like little employee shindig and I had oysters for the first time. Yes, which is very exciting. You were saying on a previous episode, you do not eat seafood. I do not eat seafood. I ate raw oysters and they were actually not terrible. As far as seafood goes, that's like diving head first into the deep end. It totally (laughs) is. Yeah, so Allegra and I had oysters for the first time and it was really cool. We learned how to shuck them. Uh, there was a guy who came um, who works for an oyster farmer, so he brought up some fresh oysters, and I just wanted to tell you guys a little bit about Maine oysters, because I found it to be absolutely fascinating. I want to hear more about these oysters. Okay. So these ones that we had, they were from, uh, they're Pemaquid, and so they are from the Daramascata River, and it's... it's interesting to me because we say seafood, but they're technically from a river, (laughs) which is interesting to me. But yeah, they get what are called like seeds. Seeds? Seeds, quote unquote. They're like little larvae and then they grow them. And I believe the guy said that they usually harvest them at 13 or 14 months. Huh. Yes. And a couple things that are really interesting is... So, Maine oysters are particularly different, like, compared to Florida oysters. Florida oysters, the way that they, um, the way he described them is just sort of kind of tasteless because of the way they're heart-grown 
ground, quote unquote. <laughs> um, they are almost literally grown, though. That's the they. Weird they thing are. They are literally grown. So the oysters here, and I can attest to this, they taste like the ocean. And I think that's part of the reason why I liked it is it didn't have a seafood taste. Like, I'm the type of person where, like, I love diving headfirst into the wave, like, really strong waves. I love getting salt water in my mouth. <laughs> like, I I grew up in Old Orchard, like, body surfing and just love being just, like, like, I'm also the type of person that I love the feeling of sand getting in my teeth. <laughs> you are fucking weird. <laughs> For me, the ocean is, like, it is where I belong. I love that, though. <laughs> God, That's I cannot. I was literally <laughs> thinking about all the times I've had oysters, and I'm like, oh, but the thing I hate is like if they're not cleaned out enough and I get sand in my teeth. <laughs> And then you just said that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's my little weird fact about me. I'm a sea witch. So <laughs> um, I think that's part of the reason why I liked it because it was it's very briny. Uh, ten out of ten, definitely cut it with lemon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, cut it with lemon. Uh, I tried it both ways. Definitely preferred it with lemon. I can't do I can't do oysters, like, without any flavor to them. I need a little vinegar or something, you know? Yeah, so what he said, what the guy said, definitely you need to have the right oyster. Yes. Because <laughs> if, if you have, like, a Florida oyster, it doesn't really taste like anything, but definitely, like, it's just this really nice briny flavor. Right, yeah. The ones from, at least the one that we had the pemmiquid that we had it was just a really nice briny flavor it was really it was lovely um <laughs> you're like kind of like eh. but something else that he suggested was grilling oysters okay yeah and i've never heard of that i've only ever had raw oysters so yeah so he said like actually like putting them like on the barbecue by taking like you take the top shell off and you put the, put the bottom on and you grill oh. it Oh, okay. So you almost have like a, a little pan there. Exactly. Cook that bastard in its home. <laughs> it's really kind of messed up when you think about it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but also, if you get them from some, the farms like out at the Dermascotta River, yeah. you are less likely to get sand and other stuff in it because tidal oysters, they have the tide that they're washing sand and things in mm -hmm. so you're less likely to have you're more likely to have a clean quote-unquote clean oyster that way the other thing that i learned is that pearls are because we always think of i told you this before pearls are people think are like oh it's sand getting in there and yeah that's what i thought no it is bacteria <laughs> it is it is bacteria and other outside material getting into the oyster and the oyster coats it to keep it away from the rest of its vitals. So that's how it protects itself. But something else that that's I wanted so to gross. point out about oysters <laughs> that are really cool is oysters are amazing for the environment and they are the reason why the ocean is not acid. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yes, because they are filterers. And also there are some um, more urban areas that are using oyster farms to clean their water wow because that's really cool yeah so i got really excited about oysters i actually then came home with an oyster shell that uh because they they had gotten an oyster shell that had an amethyst 
embedded in it. Whoa, cool, man. It's all fancy and pretty. That's awesome. And they were, uh, Allegra's boss was like, oh, if anybody wants to take it, you can have it. I'm like, give it to me. <laughs> so yeah, so now I have an oyster shell with an amethyst embedded in it, and it's really cool. I don't think I saw that. I can show you. It's I'd cool. be happy to check it out. That'd yes. be so cool. So that is my mainism. I love it. And Main yeah, oysters. I, I still probably, there's still like, I still don't like fish. <laughs> still don't like shellfish. I think that um, if but you oysters had, are you had a raw bad. oyster, you gotta like something. Like, a, no, because it was literally like drinking a cup of ocean water. It is not the same as eating other seafood. That's, in my opinion. That That's like, oh, that's, that's another just step to the whole situation. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like you skipped fish and went deeper into the seafood category. <laughs> It's like you eat a fish and it's like it just tastes like fish. It says you're talking about drinking seawater. <laughs> <laughs> I what, the I'm, inner machinations of my mind are an enigma. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Brittany likes oysters. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome though. Oysters I hate seafood, love oysters. <laughs> it counts, it counts. You you now like seafood. I Not know. all of it, but nope. you like seafood now. Just so. parts of it. Now everybody that was, you know, if you turned off the podcast previously because of that slander. Guess come what? Come on back. Come we're, on back. We're an oyster podcast now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was oddly excited about talking about oysters. <laughs> you were very excited. You sped up like, I just, I, you said, I want to, I want to bring this up. I'm going to bring this up. It's just fascinating to me because it's something that I had never really given a lot of thought to. <laughs> and they're fascinating little things. They are, uh, they are fascinating. It's pretty cool. I think there was a Gordon Ramsay, um, yes. visiting Maine thing and he was talking about oysters in a river. That somebody had. Yeah, that's really actually cool. where the oysters I had, they came from. They there. came from that specific location? Yeah. Hot damn. Yeah. You guys got a great market going also, on. Also, I think that the, uh, it's actually not expensive to get a little section of the river to do your own oyster harvesting. Say hello to the homegrown horror harvested oysters. Woo! Yeah, I honestly kind of thought about looking into that. But the guy um, that came, it's really funny. So he I, he said that he works in show business, so I kind of assumed he was an actor. But he's originally from California, and he moved to Maine to be an oyster farmer. That's awesome. And then on the off-season, he goes back to California. <laughs> what but he was like, guy. yeah, he said he started oyster farming uh, not long ago. Or uh, he started oyster farming a long time ago, like on his own, and then did his own thing. And then he really wanted to come back to oyster farming. It's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> it's not something that you know. When you guys you got say, a passion. When I want to grow up, what do you want to be? Oyster farmer. <laughs> I think it's really cool that um, they just grow. Yeah. It's like mushrooms or something. You just throw the spores out there, and then they just they just appear in a way. Yeah. Oh, another thing that can happen is um, if you are eating oysters, particularly in the summer, if you open it up and there's a chalky substance in it, you have a male oyster. Ah. Uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> that is the other thing that I learned. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you might get a little extra salt there. Yeah, but also... Mm, they usually just kind of spit it out into the water. So you could also just be Rude. swimming through 
Oyster jizz. Oyster jizz at any point in time. <laughs> Isn't that the ocean, though? We're just yeah. swimming through jizz and Yes. Poop. But again, I love the ocean. I can't <laughs> help it. Like, it's Mother Ocean calls to me. And like I said, like, I will do, like, I love to just dive headfirst into waves. I feel you. So, yeah. So, that's... Thank you so much for sharing that with my me. My main is um. Because <laughs> I learned something and I wanted to share it with you. I appreciate it, man. It makes me, it gives me a whole other appreciation for oysters. And uh, yeah, I want to get some raw oysters from Maine. See how they uh, chalk up to past experience. For yeah. Sure. What should we leave our homies with today? Get a lawyer. That's my Mine is take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Give yourself space. Yeah. Um, and... Go to that trip in New York. Yeah. Don't just work all the time. Yeah, no, take... Uh, yeah, please take vacation. If you have the ability to take a vacation, do it. Um, especially if you feel like something is out of your reach, it's not. Just do it. That's what I do. It's just, I, pr- I, I buy first, I talk about it later. <laughs> To quote uh, Days and Days, don't waste your best years living behind a desk and living for somebody else. Go outside, man. Yeah, go outside. Get in the water. Drink drink up the oysters. Um, Gargle that oyster juice. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, thank you for joining us today. We very much appreciate you listening. Bye. Bye. Hey, homies, I've got some sources here. I got murderpedia.org, thecinemaholic.com, wgbq.com, cbsnews.com, mainbiz.biz, and apnews.com. Thanks for listening. You can reach out to us on our Twitter at HGHpod or on our Instagram at HomegrownHorrorPod. We hope to see you again soon.